0: Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation.
1: Open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're going to make our way through the book of Hebrews. Actually, I almost want to shut down my computer and just open up the Bible like this and just walk down these beautiful verses about God telling us about himself, about Jesus Christ, about him being superior than anybody in the whole world. But I want to set the table a little bit to tell you about the book of Hebrews. This is kind of like I'm a professor. I've been a professor for Trinity Adjunct. I've been a professor for um, New Orleans Seminary for a short period of time. And, And so now I'm going to put on my professor hat rather than a preaching hat right now. Because really this is a time of teaching. So we could actually go down verse by verse. And that's what I really would like you to do. But as we set the table for the book of Hebrews... Now, I think of the one word overall, and the word is superiority. The book of Hebrews presents a simple request. Consider the superiority of Jesus in the middle of difficulty and persecutions. I want you to put yourself back in their day. The Christian at that time, or the Christians at that time, were being persecuted and they were wondering whether it was worth serving Jesus Christ. They'd lost their home. They lost their pensions. They were kicked out of their hometown. They were mingling amongst people that they were told they should never mingle, be mingling with. And they were being persecuted about this Messiah. And by the way, I want to use that word because that's who the book of Hebrews is addressing. The people that were Jewish And there was a man called the Messiah, and they were wondering whether or not they should continue following him. Was it really worth it? Many of you are wondering today is it really worth following Jesus Christ? Because it seems everywhere I go, if I don't say the right words, the right pronouns, if I don't get behind the right people, I will be persecuted. In fact, you may lose your job. And I was listening to a message last night where you might have to stand alone, teacher. And you have to ask yourself, is he worth it? Taking that stand. And it may come a time where this church is going to have a greater task and a greater burden of supporting those people who may lose their jobs because they took a stand for Jesus Christ and refused to fold to the philosophy and ideology of this world. Well, have you been living by sight or have you been living by faith? And so, throughout the book, the author of Hebrews systematically works his way through key themes and characters, all the while pointing out how Jesus is not only greater, but also better than all things. Well, clinging on to religion, or for the Jewish people, the old religion, we realize will not save you. Only Jesus will. Now, when coming to the book of Hebrews, it addresses three kinds of people, and it's very important to know this because when you're reading some of the difficult passages, there's a temptation to throw into that particular paragraph one of these three kinds of people. Of course, there's believers in Christ. There's unbelievers who had the knowledge of and intellectual acceptance of the facts of Christ and unbelievers who were attracted to Christ, but who rejected him ultimately. So it's very important to understand who's being addressed. Again, I think of one word as I tackled the book of, or we tackled the book of, of Hebrews, and that is the word superiority. By the way, uh, Jacob and I have passed out an easy, easy outline. We, we didn't come up with it ourselves. There's uh, Buku amounts of outlines on the book of Hebrews. If you didn't get one, would you raise your hand right now? You, 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 uh, on the book of Hebrews, there's one up front here. There's one over there. Keep your hands raised. We've got some people. We want to give this to you. Put it in your Bible. It, it takes the Google approach. It zooms out and looks at the book of Hebrews from the mountaintop view. Very, very easy outline. It really reads like a sermon. You see, when you, when you approach the Bible, there are different genres. And, and it's important to understand what kind of genre you're reading. Like, you don't want to read literally the book of Revelation because it's apocalyptic. It's a different type of genre. When you read the book of Psalms, it's, it's conducted mostly in music. When you read the book of Proverbs, it's different. So it's very important for you to understand what kind of literature you're reading. And really, the book of Hebrews is practically a sermon to be read aloud. So I've entitled this morning's message, The Greatest Hands Down. You ever heard that expression? The greatest hands down. Now, there is a debate about great people that goes on and on and on. Like right now, the PGA tournament, all the golf, any golfers in here, raise your hand. There's a few. Oh, well, there's a few. Okay. Well, we like golfing, so the, they're going to run home and watch the PGA. It's like the Masters. It's like the Super Bowl of golf. And we're wondering, who's the greatest golfer? Is it Jack Nichols, Nicholas, or is it Tiger Woods? The debate goes on. You see, Jack Nichols has actually won more majors than any living human being on the world. But Tiger Woods has won more tournaments. Now, what about who's the greatest basketball player since we're in basketball season right now? Is it Michael Jordan? <laughs> okay. Or is it LeBron James? Or is it our very own? <laughs> who's the greatest? The debate goes on and on. What about in music? Is it the Beatles that we grow up with? Elvis? Michael Jackson? Uh, I don't think we're going to get a consensus on who the greatest. uh... Here's a good one. If you think about all the things that uh, you enjoy today, who's the greatest inventor? Who could you do without or who would you rather do with? What about the printer? Johannes Gutenberg. You probably think nothing about that. What about Thomas Edison? Motion pictures. The Wright brothers. You wouldn't be able to go from here to wherever to see your family if it wouldn't have been for the Wright brothers. What about information? Steve Jobs. Well, we come full circle to who's the greatest religious leader ever? His name is Jesus. Jesus. Now, Jacob and I learned something this week when we went to a a pastor's cohort where pastors get together and we had a speaker telling us about how important it is for you and me to read the Bible every day. But an astonishing fact that they brought to my attention, perhaps his attention too, was the fact that the average person studies the Bible, guess how many hours a month? 2.5 hours a month. Guess how many hours the average person spends on social media? 2.25 hours Every day, which means 75 hours a week, excuse me, a month, that the average person spends on social media. Why I'm presenting that to you is you and me are going to tackle the book of Acts, where the two major themes today is that Jesus is superior to any single religious figure. The prophets that the Hebrew people really admired, and they should And the angels. Now, for you, it's no big deal. We're going to read this like you're reading a recipe on how to make applesauce. I don't know if you know how to make applesauce. But so you're taking this for granted. But most of the people out there are getting their news about Jesus from the street, just like most people learn about money in the streets and learn about intimacy in the streets, They're not learning it in the home, but they're learning it from our educational system. And guess what they're serving up? Garbage. Garbage. So please understand what we're teaching on. There's perhaps many people present today who've never really read Hebrews, let alone understood that Jesus is superior than any religious figure. And the book of Hebrews talks about, about this very subject. So let's look, beginning in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And, of course, I hope you have your Bibles. If not, you have permission to turn on your phones, providing you don't turn on social media and get your 2.5 hours in, in the source <laughs> of service. And, and, and watching the PGA tournament that is on right now on some of your stations... But first of all, I want you to see number one, we're looking at the Messiah. I'm using the word Messiah a lot because he's you just have to understand your Hebrew in our Lord's day in this person. They, they always expected the Messiah. A Messiah came and they rejected him. You have to understand, just like America is rejecting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're seeing Our influence or the influence of the gospel greatly diminishing in America, in our schools, in the homes, everywhere. Now, you're a Hebrew. This man comes on earth and says he is the Messiah. And all the leaders said, Do not listen to him. He is not the Messiah, he is a false Messiah. They gave up everything. To put their faith in him. And now they're writing to these individuals. Many who are tempted to go back to their old religion. And I, I was a former addict. I was a Catholic. And I loved all the trinkets and the bells and the whistles. Did, did anyone ever put over their little rearview mirror and a nice little saint's? Or you carried him in the back of your wallet and sat on him and believed he was gonna protect you. We we had our, you know, our religious rituals we went through, or those nice beads that hung around our neck, and, and I would come to the front of the altar and, and rattle them all. Hail Father God, I, I'm Jesus, Mother God, pray for with Hallelujah, I'm free. I'm free. And i walk out that door, free to do what I wanted. There's a lot of religious activity that kind of makes you feel good, makes you feel holy. Or go to a place where there's all these gadgets and bells and whistles and trinkets and garments and I'm walking to a holy place. There's more holiness going on in this place than all those other places put together. So Jesus, the Messiah, I'm going to call him, the Messiah is superior to all the prophets. Notice in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, to the prophets, and at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. You know, Jesus reminds the Hebrew people, you search the scriptures, it says in John five thirty nine, You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. They talk about me. I'm here. I'm greater than the prophets. In fact, he has the final word about redemption because we know John in the book of Revelation was given some revelation about the destruction of Jerusalem in the end times. But Jesus had the last word about redemption. You see, Islam recognizes Jesus as one of the five key prophets sent from God alongside Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Muhammad. So that's, a, that's someone that practices Islam. You remember the Hebrew person really, really embraced Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Zechariah, Malachi. They, they, these prophets were their heroes. And it was hard asking them to take a backseat to this man that the whole United States. I want you to think about United States as saying, we don't want God in our schools. We don't want you to talk about God in the workplace. You keep your God behind those four walls and lock the doors and don't let him out. That's what the United States is saying to Christianity. So now you might understand just a little bit more how the Hebrew felt when the whole nation is saying, don't listen to him. If you listen to him, you're in big trouble. Buddhism says Jesus is Buddha reincarnated. You know who Jehovah's Witnesses think he is. Well, they think he's God. And like when I was a Catholic, I I, I remembered, and I'm not trying to throw all the Catholics under the bus, but I'm just saying when I was a Catholic, what was amazing, I, I was so confused that I thought Mary, get this, was the mother of God. Did anybody ever think that way out there? I did. It was taught, I I didn't think she was, not only was she Jesus' mother, but it was presented to me as if she was God, above God, and they worship her as God. So there's many confusing things that the public is embracing. For you, this may be common, everyday knowledge, but for the people out in the world that we rub shoulders with, They say Jesus is superior to all the prophets, all the religious figures. They think you're arrogant. I tried it just a few days ago. I was out there in my pickleball uniform (laughs) with my paddle, playing pickleball. And I started talking to God about this guy. He got mad at me. I don't believe in any God. I said, he's superior than any God. How do you know that? I think something just fell off my pocket here, so I'll put it. And so uh, he was kind of mad, and I tried to be gentle and back off a little. Then I asked him to play on my team. We started beating everybody, and a smile broke out on his face, and his ears opened, and his heart opened a little bit, and he started listening to me about Jesus a little bit. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Isn't that strange? But, but, you see, they have a different perspective out there about God. Well, so basically Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus in the past was none other than Michael the archangel. Oh, yes, study into their theology and doctrines. Mormons, you know what they believe, right? That Jesus and Lucifer were good buddies. They were brothers. So please, once again, Don't take for granted what you know and make sure you're ready and equipped to help the people out there because they haven't got a clue. The media has been pumping into their minds and hearts 2.5 hours every single day since they've been little. And on top of that, you have the educational system pumping into them that they don't know who they are. They don't know who their identity is. So we have our work cut out for us. So he is superior to the prophets. He's superior in verse 2. Now, God is going to lay out some reasons why the Messiah is superior to all the prophets. And he lays out about four or five things. One is he's the heir. Notice in verse 2, whom he appointed heir of all things. Also, what else? Why should he be revered as the real Messiah? Because, notice continuing in verse 2, he, he made the universe. John 1: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice also in Colossians, it should be on the screen for you: Colossians 1:15. There are many passages that reinforce this truth that the universe, God created the universe through Christ Jesus, the Messiah. Messiah is the creator. What? That's what the average Hebrew person was saying. But the scripture reminds us the Son. By the way, that word is used a lot. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. You know, it it makes me want to stop and pause and think about the wasted, wasted, wasted hours, wasted days and wasted nights. Reminds me of a song, wasted days and wasted nights. And all the money that's been wasted to find out what verse 16 tells us. For in him... Messiah, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, things hold together. I mean, the Hebrew person could not handle this, but neither can the Gentiles. He's superior because he's appointed heir. The prophets were not appointed to be heir of all things. He's superior because he created all things. He's superior because, in verse 3, he is light. In the exact representation, let's read that, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his power let me go to the first part he you know i I tried to get a handle on this so that you might maybe understand what he's talking about some people have used the illustration of the sun and all the rays going out that's the sun and the moon represents the prophets and they only reflect the sun Also, another illustration I found, just as facial recognition allows airport officials to identify a person walking through the scanner, Messiah allows us to see the invisible God. Remember what Jesus said to the Hebrew people. Messiah said, you've seen me. You've seen God. They thought that was blasphemous. He's declaring that very clearly to the Hebrew people. But he's building a case. He's building a house with a lot of facts, a lot of credentials, a lot of history. He also said, again, the Messiah is superior because he sustains everything by his word. Notice, sustaining all things by his powerful word. You know, I was thinking how people are worried that maybe a nuclear bomb might go off and and the world's going to be destroyed. It it reminded me, you see this picture of the large Hadron Collider. You may not know about this big machine that is 17 miles long. And uh, it can basically, it's the world's longest and most powerful particle accelerator firing beams of Subatomic particles around a long 17-mile loop beneath the ground near uh, uh, Geneva on the French-Swiss border. Many people are afraid that this atom-smashing, large hadron collider would create black holes. Well, look at the black hole right here on the screen, and they, they believe this machine is capable of doing this. I don't know how many of you heard about the large Hadron Collider, but people are fearful of it, and they think it could destroy the world or it could, you know, what one smashing of one atomic uh, atom could happen and what could take place. So what would this be able to do? And so people are very, very fearful of it. But what I want, the reason why I brought this to your attention is that the Bible tells us. Everything is sustained by the Messiah. By his word, everything is held together, and nobody's going to be able to destroy it until he says it's the end. Nobody, but nobody will be able to do that. Be at peace. He's in charge. Jesus is superior to the priests, to the prophets, to the covenant. Notice beginning in verse 3, again the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining things by his powerful word. And he had provided purifications for sins. Now, you have to understand, If you, I think we have a picture of the temple up here. This was their world. This was, is this the temple? That's, I think maybe I gave the wrong temple here. See, you, got to know, you might have thought that was the temple, but it isn't the temple. That's the false temple. <laughs> Some people believe that the ark's below that temple. There's a fascinating story about that. But remember, their whole world revolved around a temple. Their religious life, their religious activity, that is those who were religious. And he's telling the Hebrew people, listen. He is unlike the high priest that you adored and worshiped so much, paid so much attention to. Remember, that high priest could go on the Holy of Holies once a year for the sins of himself as well as the sins of all the nation of Israel. And he would go into that place that supposedly is full of the glory of God. That was at one time, at some time it did depart. And so he was held in high esteem along with the other prophets. All that was done away with because Jesus, according to Scripture, provided purifications for sin. You're here today. I want to ask you, how many sins have you committed in your lifetime? We would be sitting here pondering for a long, long time. Purifying us, just one person of their sins, let alone a group of people, let alone billions of people. God said... Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah who you think is just a man, he died so that we could be purified from all our sins. And he said that those who believe in him, there is no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Praise God for purifying us of all sins. He provided purification. For our sins. Jesus said the true worshipers worship him now in truth and spirit. So technically, we don't need any religious paraphernalia to worship God or to gather together and honor God. We don't need a building. We don't need any religious garb. We don't need any smoke. We don't technically need any instruments. Jesus said the true worshipers who worship the Messiah, worship him in spirit and in truth. We need no religious junk at all. If you need something like that, something's wrong. Well, here's something else. Not only is he the heir, not only did he create the world, not only does he sustain the world, not only did he provide purification for our sins, and no prophet could do that. No high priest could do that. But he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Notice, finishing verse 3, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. Well, you have to understand that, remember, it was this very saying that lit up the religious people in our Lord's day. When they asked him, after asking many people to come forward And accused Jesus of doing wrong. And they couldn't find anybody or they couldn't get together on their stories. So the religious leaders, the high priest said, Okay, Messiah, I'm asking you right now. Are you the son? Are you the Messiah? Notice they connected the dots. Are you the Messiah, the son of God? And he said, Yes, it is as you said. And from now on you'll be seeing me sit at the right hand of the Father. And it's because of that statement they got sanctimonious and they tore their clothes and said, blasphemy, blasphemy, because they knew when he said Messiah and Son of God that made him equal to God. And therefore, they consented to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Okay. So we know according to Hebrews, that he is greater than any of the prophets that the Hebrews admired. And there's a lot of, lot of prophets that the Hebrew people admired, especially Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Moses. Next week, Jacob will be talking about Moses. They they said they held Moses in high esteem but God's going to point out where that's not necessarily true. Now, he transitions in the book of Hebrews throughout the rest of the chapter and even in chapter 2 about angels. So we're going to go through this a little bit more quickly than the first four verses because verse 4 through 14 talks about how Jesus is superior to the angels. Well, we just sang about this a while ago. In verse 4, notice, he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Who had superior names up till that time in the Hebrews' minds? It was Michael the archangel, and then there was also Gabriel. They were held in high esteem. And And the Hebrew people knew that the angels actually played a great role in their history, and in their lives, and in their life of, as a nation. In fact, they were messengers of God. In fact, in the New Testament, Acts seven fifty three, and in Galatians, we're reminded of what they thought. Notice in Acts seven fifty three, You who have received the law, remember the law was, was major in their lives, that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. Galatians 3.19 kind of reinforces this truth. They understood the role of angels. They were major in their lives. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. They needed to be assured of the superior status And character of the one who is the agent of the new revelation, that is Jesus. His name is superior than any angelic being. The Old Testament talks about that, and the New Testament talks about that. Notice in verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have become your father. There is no angelic being that received those kinds of, of, of credentials or that kind of anointing from God. And of course, these religious leaders, these Hebrews, were familiar with the Old Testament. And any religious leader had read the book of Psalms and they knew this particular Psalms, Psalm 2:7, when he said, You are my son. Today I become your father. If you take your notes, you can write that down, Psalms 2-7. That's an Old Testament prediction. Then also, he reiterates his status, which is superior to the angels. When the Messiah, it was said about him, I will be his father, and he will be my son. That's from 2 Samuel seven fourteen. We read into that. So he's superior to the angels in name and because he's the son of God and he has a relationship with the father. No angel had that kind of relationship with Yahweh. Also, here's an important one in verse six. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship the Messiah I keep using the word Messiah because that's the name they were familiar with. The world, at least the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, were waiting for the Messiah to come. He came. And they rejected him. But some of the Jewish people believed in him. Remember, again, we are very, very, very happy for the Jewish people because... They're the ones that started the church. It was the Hebrew people that started the first church. So there was a a remnant that did not go with what the the governor or the kings said about the Messiah. They believed that the Messiah was God. And angels worshipped him. Now, remember when in Revelation where John... Was given a revelation about the Messiah and he fell on his knees. Let me pick up that that idea in Revelation 22. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, Do not worship me. But he said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship God only. Now, again, you're you're almost a yawner on this. You, You realize this. But understand there are many people out there and there are many religions that worship angels. The Greeks, the Romans, Catholics, Judaism, Islam. There is a sect in Iraq called the Yezidis. It's one of the many religious minorities in Iraq. They teach about a fallen angel who is forgiven by God and set to govern the earth in God's place. So, again... We have to be very careful as believers that we, we, we just read this and, and then we, it's a kind of a yawner to us. We must understand that the people that we rub shoulders with every day, this is new news to them. This is front page news to them. He, the Messiah, that the Hebrew people expected is superior to all the angels. And, and I grew up for about 20 years, being told all about angels and praying to angels and, and making them a prisoner on my rearview mirror and making sure they didn't escape my back pockets. And, and I would pray to them. I would bow down and light candles to them. Did anybody do those things? So don't think that there isn't a massive amount of people out there that need to be educated on the things that you are learning today. They worship angels, but he is superior to the angels because angels are commanded to worship the Messiah. The Messiah is called, oh God. Notice in verse 7. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits. He makes them spirits, and his servants flames of fire. He, in other words, in the Old Testament, we, we know that they, he makes them stand up, he makes them sit down, he makes them a man, he makes them wind, he makes them fire. But that's not so with the Messiah. Here's what he said about the Messiah in verse 8. But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God. Uh-oh, he called them God. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and the scepter of justice will be a scepter of your kingdom. And so the Messiah is called God and has an eternal throne. The angels' roles are sort of temporal. Now, there's a lot of angels. Revelation 5:11 reminds us at least one passage of how many there really are. In verse 11, chapter 5. Then I looked and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. He said, the Messiah is greater than any angel or any angel that you can think of. They worship the Messiah. And the reason why? He has an eternal throne. He's God and he has loved righteousness. Notice verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Well, by the way, a news bulletin. When God created the angels, not all the angels loved righteousness. True? A third of the angels rebelled and loved wickedness and unrighteousness, and they were expelled from heaven. Lucifer was their leader. And so, yes, the Messiah, because he loves righteousness and hated wickedness. Notice the key verse that says again, Therefore God, your God, speaking to the Hebrew people, has set you above your companions, by anointing you with the oil of joy. Don't get bent out of shape when he's talking to the Messiah and saying, you're companions, and therefore he is equal with his companions. We've just read where that's not true. Hasn't Jesus declared this to you and me? He has said, I have called you, what? Friends. So in that sense, we're companions, but let's not take that too far. He is much superior to you and me. He is called God. That means his DNA is God. Unlike the angels who were created, he is exalted above them all. And in verse 10, it says, When the Messiah created the heavens, the angels were created again. Reiterating the point in verse 10 that the angels didn't do that. It says in verse 10, In the beginning, and in, in the Hebrew, it says Adonai. In, in the beginning, Adonai, you laid the foundation. That Adonai is the name affiliated with and associated with who? The Messiah. In the beginning, Messiah, you laid the foundation. I mean, you see the case that he's building brick by brick to the Hebrew people who are, who are wondering, did I, do, did I do the right thing? Did I make the right choice? I'm being tempted to go back to the things that I, I used to embrace, how I used to live. Or, or basically this whole message is passing them by. We'll talk about that in a second. So the Messiah created the heavens, and his dominion is forever and ever. And Notice he said, they will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. They, like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your year, years will never end. So they're getting the picture. The Hebrew people are getting the picture about the Messiah. Don't lose your confidence in him. Today, Christians, don't lose your confidence in who Jesus Christ is, even though you could be tempted to do that. Remember, the Messiah is your Savior. Well, let me read to you why this is so important as we go to chapter 2 of the book of Hebrews. Now, I was going to take you through verse by verse, Chapter 2. There's a parenthesis in between chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's like a a timeout. Let me tell you one thing right quickly, and then let me get back to the subject of Jesus is superior to the angels. In fact, if you read verse 14 and then go to your Bibles and read verse 5, it picks right back up talking about angels. But there's a pause, there's a warning. In the book of Hebrews, we're going to come across at least five major warnings. It has thrown the Christian community into a tizzy, but you need not let that happen. One of the problems is we bring our own doctrine and we try to fit it into the book of Hebrews and make it say things that it doesn't really say. Remember, he's speaking to three different types of hearers. So here's the warning. Let me read it to you in chapter 2. This is a pause. On your own, please continue picking up in verse 5 to the end of the chapter. And it will continue to reiterate over and over again that Jesus is superior to the angels. You're probably scratching your head saying, why did he spend so much time on this subject? The answer ought to be obvious. They worshiped angels. They held them in high esteem. It is so easy to replace Jesus with something else or someone else. Why do you think he said, I must come before your mother that you put before me, your daddy, your children, your job, your money. There's a lot of things. You think this is not serious business, that some of the, of the Hebrew people put angels in a a superior position than the Messiah, well, you're doing the very same thing today. You're making other people, other things, other religious things more important than the Messiah. So you have to be careful, too, just like the Hebrew people had to be careful. But notice what he says in this pause. The Messiah and his message ignored or neglected has consequences. The first warning, one of the first five warnings in the book of Hebrews. To me, it is so easy to understand. He said, notice we, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, therefore, based on all the things that he just talked about in chapter 1. Therefore, based on what I just told you, he's superior to the prophets. Superior to Moses, that we'd be talking about next week, superior to the high priest, superior to the new covenant. Anything you're familiar with, Jesus is superior. He is the greatest. Hands down, He is the greatest. Now, therefore, pay careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation, which was accompanied with... I I'm adding that, paraphrasing that in there. An announcement by the Lord, confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testified to this great package of salvation by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now, this is a minor warning compared to a crescendo of warnings that will follow. About the danger of this salvation package that has been verified by signs and wonders and miracles and gifts given to the church by the Holy Spirit, talked about by the prophets. He was seen by over 500 people at one time. Listen, if you're not careful, your ship is leaving port. You're going to miss this great salvation and if there was suffering by not obeying the law and all the things that God told us to do and not do, and you paid the consequence for that, and some of these messages were delivered by angels, as in the case of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, angels went into Sodom and Gomorrah, as you recall, and they warned them, get out of town because we're about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It is so filthy and immoral. I think we can relate to a lot of that today. And these two angels, when, if they did not heed the message of these angels, what happened? They were destroyed. Lot tried to get his kids out. They wouldn't listen, and they were destroyed. He's saying, listen, if the message from angels was binding and there was punishment, if you pass up this opportunity... It's going to drift by. God sends you a life boo you, a lifeboat, a lifesaver out there, and you know, it kind of reminds me of the, the person that was in a flood, and they said, "God, I, I want you to save me." And God sends a a truck by to pick him up. He said, "Wait, no, I, I'm asking God to save me. Okay, I want God to save me." And so the water gets up into the first story, and, and here comes a boat. Come on aboard. Get your backpack, and let's come on. Let's get you out of here. Wait, wait, I've been praying that God will save me. The water rises. He's on top of the roof. A helicopter comes by. Jump aboard. Get on. I, I've been praying that God will save me. He drowns. Gets to heaven. God, what happened? I asked you to save me. They said, Idiot, I sent you a boat, I sent you a car, and I sent you a helicopter. God sent this planet into the Hebrew people a Messiah, a Savior, the superior that they talked about, they preached about, they lived it out. He's there. And they're about to pass it by. It's about to go by. If you don't grab on to the Messiah, there's nothing coming along to save you. That's what Hebrews 2 is talking about. Not about getting saved and getting lost. There is, could be, and there could be a warning from those who sit in the pew on every Sunday and we're talking about the Messiah and all the things he asked of us. He said, if you love me, obey me, yes, and if you let it go in one ear and out the other and you don't heed the things that he's telling you and me, well, God does tell us some consequences are in order. One is that the father will come after you like a father does his child. He will punish you. And there are some sins that can get you in big trouble. And there are some sins that can make you sick. And I got some more news for you. And it's not good. There is a sin that you can commit unto death. I'm talking to the saints. I don't know about you, but that might wake you up, might wake me up. I don't know what it is. I confess, I don't know what it is. So there is a warning to the believers here as you read this. Please, this, you, you have been blessed. To them that have been given much, much more is required of them. Church, you have been given a lot. You know so much more than all the previous generations put together. But I wonder how many people are actually reading their Bible and even know the things that I'm talking to you about this morning. And so Hebrews gives its first warning, the shot across the bow, and saying, listen, today, is a day for you to repent of your sins. I'm talking to the believers. Remember, we started this all off by saying, and now I'm talking to believers. I already shared the gospel in 30 seconds. By the way, every time I preach, remind me, I want to share the gospel in 30 seconds. God created you. You rebelled against him. God provided a way for you to be saved by sending his son Jesus into the world to die on your behalf. He poured his wrath out on him. The Father said, whoever repents and believes in him has eternal life. And you're back in God's good graces. How long did that take? You can share that kind of gospel anywhere you go, the good news of Jesus Christ. You'd be surprised how many might ask you some more questions about that. But what I'm telling you is for believers now. He's saying, listen, you've been sitting in the church week after week, month after month, year after year, and I've asked you to make some adjustments in your life. You see, he's in the sanctification business sanctification means he wants to make you more like his son some people have not let the power of god change their lives how can the holy spirit of the living god come in flesh and cause you and let you remain the same that's not going to happen and if you can remain the same you don't know him he's going to cause you to fall in love with someone you've never seen talk about a kingdom you've never visited Embrace a book you've never read. And deny the system that you've lived for all the days you've been on this earth. He causes that to happen inside of you. I don't cause it. He causes it. He wants to change you. You have time to repent and believe. Don't let that shit pass you by either. So in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it could be saying that to the saints. But most of all, he's saying to the Hebrew people. That were tempted to go back to the old system. They're wondering, is this really the one who was to come into the world? And the Hebrew author makes a case that Jesus is superior. Would you stand at this time? Perhaps there's a decision you need to make about anything. Jacob will be coming up here in a few minutes and we'll We're going to have prayer. We're always here to have prayer with you, to pray with you about anything and everything. While you're under the, I'll use a a worldly word, while you're under the spell of the gospel. Nothing wrong with that, right? You're under the spell. You're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You walk out that door and you don't make a decision to say, God, I'm going to do business with you. You told me something in my heart while the preacher was speaking and I, I know I need to get right with you and you walk out the door, that's what he's saying. You're letting it slip by. You're not heeding what God is saying to you. Then there are some consequences. Church, yes, God is love. And you know we preach love, but there are consequences. If we say no, 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 a child says no, 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 then finally we lower the boom. I bring out Mr. Kaboom. That was Mr. Kaboom, my paddle in the closet, and my child will ultimately get the paddle. I didn't want him to be afraid of my hand, but I wanted him to be afraid of Mr. Kaboom. You're only going to tell me no so often. God is a patient God. He is very patient. He wants you to turn from your sin today. Would you come? Is he superior? Yes, to the angels, he's superior to the prophets. Next week we're going to learn a little bit more about how he's superior to their religious icon, Moses. Would you come as God leads you this morning?